0: Are you looking for a podcast that brings you all the latest news and analysis on the silver and black car from under center looks downfield fires deep complete Waller's got it. How about interviews with a list guests? Just pod baby. Congrats on a hundred episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to just pod baby. A Las Vegas Raiders podcast, part of the Vegas sports today podcast network.
1: speed touchdown car with another bomb
0: and now your host Evan Grote
1: let's go Raider Nation how are we feeling 1-0 and baby I know I'm still riding the high from the the thriller the other night on Monday Night Football. I'm sure you are as well. Now, it wasn't always pretty. It wasn't always pretty. It was a great come-from-behind win for the Raiders. But you know what? Sometimes in the NFL, you got to win ugly games. And that's what the Raiders did. They pulled off the win. And now, we begin to shift our attention to Week 2 and the matchup with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, I'm glad to have you with me again this week. Welcome to Just Pod, baby. I am your host, Evan Grote. And we are brought to you by VegasSportsStay.com. You can follow me on Twitter at egroat 5 And if you're looking for more Raiders content, please check out JustPodBaby.com. I post all my latest stories and my opinions on the blog page there. I tweet them all out as well so there's you can, you can get them uh, as long as you're following me on all those different platforms. Uh, also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Please, I'm talking about right now, go and hit that subscribe button. Now, the rundown for the show this week In segment one, I want to quickly recap, give you some of my thoughts, and put a bow on the week one game versus the Ravens. We're also going to be joined by our guest, Clay Baker, who is the host of the Morning Tailgate on Raider Nation Radio. I'm really looking forward to chatting with with Clay. I've never had him on the show before. I know he was out there, and obviously this is what he does every day. He talks Raiders football, so I want to get some of his reaction to what he saw on Monday night. And then in segment two... Uh, we're going to begin our preview of the Pittsburgh Steelers, another tough AFC North opponent for the Raiders. They're going to be traveling east to a tough environment. Um, it is the, the home opener for the Steelers. The Raiders are going to be on a, a shorter than normal week, so I do expect it to be another hard-fought game for the Raiders. We're going to have a guest as well uh, for the Steelers, Ray Filippaldo, who is uh, the Steelers beat writer for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He's going to join us, and he's going to give us the scoop on the Steelers. So a really busy show planned for you this week. So let's get it started here with some news and notes from the week. The number one storyline this week as we get closer to Sunday is the injuries that the Raiders suffered in this game. It was a very costly win for the Raiders. They lost two players uh, for the season. Starting right guard Denzel Good is out with a torn ACL. Defensive tackle Gerald McCoy, he is also out for the year. Uh, with a, a a knee injury. Marcus Mariota, he aggravated a hamstring injury that he had been dealing with. We got word on Thursday that he's going to be out for an extended period of time. Josh Jacobs, he uh, got banged up in the game. You could see him limping around the field multiple times. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski suffered a concussion in the game. Yannick Ngakoue, he did he didn't finish the game as well with a hamstring injury. So just an, a number of injuries to this team we're going to be taking a look at the injury report in segment two but right now you know when you look at this team right now you're what what we're going to find out really early here is the depth and and and, you know it's going to be tested that the depth is going to be tested very early on they did make some roster moves in in response to some of these injuries they brought in a couple different players from from opposing teams practice squads damian square a defensive tackle was brought in jordan simmons a guard was brought in uh, they added some depth um, in safety, ha-ha Clinton Dix. He's going to be going to the practice squad. So some moves made in, in response and just trying to bring in some bodies here. They need some depth, and and, and hopefully, I don't know a whole lot about um, these guys, but hopefully they can provide something at some point. Um, we will be taking a look at the injury report a little bit later on in segment two, as I said. Um, what I want to do next is just give you some of my thoughts on the win. And you know it's always great, right? It's always great to start the season one and zero. And and there were plenty of, of positives to take away from this game. There's also some things that you know should concern you. Uh, we'll start with the positives. Offensively, I thought, you know, they, they just had to get some of that rust off. I, I think, you know, they didn't play car and skill skill players. They didn't play in the preseason, so you had to expect there were going to be some some rust. You knew it was going to take them a little bit of time to get going. Early in the game, Carr was erratic, you know, missed some throws high, throwing behind receivers. He was really locked in on Derek Carr, almost to a fault, really, in those first few series. Uh, but he settled down and really he ended up having a heck of a game. A heck of a game. Threw for four hundred and thirty-five yards. Two hundred and sixty-seven of those yards came in the fourth quarter in overtime alone. He had the two touchdown passes that came in that time as well. And, you know, just was was clutch in, in those um and in, in the fourth quarter, um, you know, leading the team down the field with, with 35 seconds to go to, to get Daniel Carlson an opportunity to kick that field goal. And, and you know, it, it did take a little bit longer than I would have liked for him to get Brian Edwards involved, to get Henry Ruggs a, a big catch. But, you know. Uh, I think he he, he he got him involved there at the end, and, and it really paid off for the offense. I'm really hoping, what I'm really hoping to see is that it was a confidence builder for those young receivers. And I hope, more importantly, that Carr now has gained a little bit more trust in those two guys. Um, going to them in big moments, they delivered. We know D.C. is big with trust when it comes to his wideouts. Now I, I also some positives that I take away from that game is the defensive improvements. They were very clear, very evident. We heard about uh this new look defensive line. I questioned it a bit in the offseason. It looked much improved. They 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 were they were really fast off the ball. That is that's the thing that jumped off the page at me is is the speed and explosiveness from this defensive line. Uh, We know Max Crosby was unbelievable. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe was really good while he was out there. They created all kinds of problems for those Ravens tackles. Crosby had himself a day. I mean, what what a day. Winning AFC Defensive Player of the Week with the two sacks and multiple pressures and quarterback hits. He was excellent, excellent. Um, And I was really fired up. One of the things that really, really got me uh, excited was turnovers they created some turnovers they generated pressure as well um, and those are two of the things that if you listen to the show you know I've talked about those two things um, you know we talk a lot about defensive improvements and, and when we talk about those those um, in terms we, 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 when we t- when we talk about those terms you know in defensive improvements um, we think about allowing less points that's the first thing that comes to mind and, and yes that is important but um, there's other aspects of being a, a, a good defense and, and creating turnovers is one of those, like the 2016 team that we have talked about many times. And um, that's what we saw. That's what we saw from this team Monday night. Um, you know, they allowed what the, 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 27 points, which isn't great. I mean, 27 points is a lot, but you know what? They got some turnovers and that was the difference in the game. That was the difference in the game. They got those, they got the ball back to the offense and the offense, uh, took advantage of those opportunities and scored touchdowns on both of those turnovers that were forced. So that's good to see. Now, that was the good, but there are some bad that I want to talk about. And, and the bad is really, I'm sure you guys share these same thoughts. It's the concerns that I have um, with Josh Jacobs and his health and the injuries to the O-line. And, you know, we're talking one game into the season and Josh Jacobs is already banged up, you know. So it's 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 really frustrating Um you know, I, I said he was already on the injury report with a toe injury going into the game. He didn't play at all in the preseason. And he's already, you know, he's already kind of hurt. And and they really, they baby him. You know, he, he even during training camp, there were days where he wasn't practicing. So, you know, the fact that he's already hurt, I just have really, I have some fears with Josh Jacobs. And I love the kid. I love the player. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and I and I appreciate his willingness to 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 be willing to play hurt, and, and you know he's always willing to go out there and tough it out. But uh, you know when it when it starts to affect his play and, and his production on the field, you know you have to start questioning whether or not. You know he's going to be in the team's long term plans, and and you know I'm not going to get into that discussion right now. That's that's a topic for maybe you know the end of the season, but uh, just some some things that are going through my head. But moving on to the offensive line, I, you know I touched on that a bit in the news and the notes. They need Richie Incognito back. They need him back very very soon, and he has not practiced again this week. So I'm not sure if they'll get him back this week. But I don't I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel great about Jermaine Illuminor as as the long term option, I know he has some starting experience in the league, but still, I, I just don't feel good about that. And when you look at the youngsters uh, on on the line, James Leatherwood and Simpson, you know they had some moments where they did some some nice things. I thought um, there were some communication issues with the center, uh, some center quarterback exchanges. Yeah, I know that one time he snapped the ball and Carr wasn't ready for it. Leatherwood got exposed once or twice, um, you know uh, off the edge with pass protection. But overall you know if I'm if I'm being fair and I'm being objective, I, I think you know considering the number of times that the Raiders threw the ball and how much Martindale likes to bring pressure, um, you know I, I think they they held their own so to speak. So um, I, I do think they need to show some major improvements in the run game. The run game was a non-factor um, you know on Monday night. Um, so what we want to do now is we're going to continue on with our recap here at Monday night's game, uh, but we're going to bring on our guest to do that, a man who is no stranger to getting behind the mic and chatting it up with Raider Nation. That's Clay Baker. He's going to join us now, host of the Morning Tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 10, uh, excuse me, 7 to 10 a.m. Pacific time. Clay was at the game. It was a heck of a game, and I got to tell you, Clay, my head is still spinning from everything that went on, but we're glad to have you with us. Welcome to Just Pod, baby. How are you, my friend?
2: Oh, thank you. I, I'm good, thanks. And uh, yeah, that was a, a, a crazy game because you try to process all the things that happen and uh, you're exhausted by it is what happened because uh, there's so many twists and turns. And and now in uh, and, and the aftermath, you're wondering about the injuries and how the Raiders are going to survive all that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, I want to thank you again, uh, Clay, for joining us. I know that you were there live and in person, and there's a lot that I want to uh, discuss with you from that wild game Uh you know, I want to start first by asking you about uh, what it was like to be in the stadium. You know, I covered the team from afar, so I I wasn't able to 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 be there in the stadium and get a true sense of the atmosphere uh, from inside Allegiant Stadium. And it, it appeared from on TV that it was a full capacity. That the crowd noise mm-hmm. uh, came across as very loud and. It gave me the sense that there was a true home field advantage going on there, something that many of the skeptics of of the move to Las Vegas were were worried about. Uh, so, what can you share with us about the experience and the atmosphere from inside Allegiant Stadium?
2: I remember uh, the first time I walked in there. It was um, in July of 2020, and I was on a, an inspection tour with one of the uh, construction companies. Uh, and it was it was so overcoming when I walked in there, and you're sitting out there and you take in the the black seats and the, and the silver trim and it, everything that was there. I, I actually, I, I got a little emotional and then so did a couple guys on that crew. And we were both just as like, you know, as Raiders have been in the Coliseum for so long and have been really like sitting in an area where uh, nothing was improving and the rest of the NFL was, but not the Raiders in the Coliseum. And finally when you walked into what the Allegiant stadium was, you felt like, my God, The most storied franchise in NFL history finally gets not only a brand new home, but something that the rest of the NFL is going to envy. And it's beautiful and stirring. And it made you wonder, what's it going to be like with fans? You know, because uh, after a full year of watching games and nobody there, uh, you still didn't get the the feeling or the, the taste of what it was supposed to be like. Yesterday, Evan, it was like a Super Bowl vibe. A lot of folks who came in um, did not sit out and tailgate, mostly because it's dangerous, too. It's about 107 degrees in the sun. But they came in early. And right around, like, 1.30, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, uh, it was starting to get rather busy. And it was great to see because I think you see, like, the fact that not only is Raider Nation to enjoy the home, but they find that it's, uh, it's the tops in the league. It's something that overpowers you with how its presence is. And then when the game gets going, Man, this thing is totally ready for NFL entertainment, and the sound is deafening. When I was there, that when inspection uh, uh, tour in twenty twenty, uh, they were like they were trying to like play the music as loud as they could and see if they could still hear the fire alarms and stuff. They're doing all this testing, and it was over way over way over a hundred decibels, and it was like there was still plenty of room for more sound. So I expect it to get louder. You know what I mean? Like you know, it came over loud on Monday night on TV, but. I expect it to get considerably louder as the season goes on, and more and more is at stake.
1: Clay, uh, I want to get into the game a little bit here with you. Both teams, uh, offensively, they got off to a slow start, especially Derek Carr and, and the Raiders' offense. They just seem to be a, a bit out of rhythm, and I think you know we can we can point the finger at the fact that not a lot of the, the starters played in the preseason. Uh, uh, but, but as the game you know got into the second half, once it got a little bit tighter there in the fourth quarter and obviously into overtime, the offense was really clicking. Uh, Derek Carr was clutch on that final drive uh, in regulation uh, that led to the, the, the game-tying field goal by Daniel Carlson, and then again he got the job done in overtime. But what, what was your reaction to the performance by Derek Carr?
2: It was uh, sloppy at first. I mean, yeah, there's no way around it because, there was um, a certain little worry that the offensive line at the same time was starting to get uh, manipulated by what the ravens were doing let's you know the ravens the uh, defense uh, the the line and the linebackers and even the safeties they were starting to dictate the pace uh, early on and that is uh, not how john lagruden wants it i mean he wants to get off to a quick start and to start setting the tone and they could not do that and it looked like it was going to get very frustrating for them but the offensive line made the adjustments. Eventually, Andre James was able to, uh, you know, uh, find a, you know, some sort of a rhythm for himself. But Derek Carr seemed like a guy that needed to have had maybe a little more time to practice with, with his guys and maybe in live game reps. And I'm a big proponent of, like, don't forget the preseason. Don't play the preseason. Guys are going to get hurt. Uh, get your joint practice work in. But it seemed a little rusty. And there was a propensity to keep targeting Darren Waller. So it made you wonder, was, uh, were the wide receivers needing some live game reps? Because Derek was, uh, is a guy that's like, look, if they're not going to get separation right away, I've got to turn away from them. And I worry that uh, that was going to be like, around the game for a while, but the defense was so great, it helped Derek Carr immensely. But Derek never panicked. Think about all these great comebacks that he's had. Now, what is that, the 24th comeback he's had so far in his history? Like There's no panic in this guy, and I think for somebody to uh, start noticing the leadership qualities behind that, that uh, he's he's a very special quarterback, and the accuracy is there, but the way he's able to go and push his other teammates to encourage them and to challenge them and get the most of them, that might be his greatest quality of all.
1: Clay Baker, host of the morning tailgate on Raider nation radio is our guest here on just pod baby. As we recap the Raiders thrilling week one victory on Monday night football over the Baltimore Ravens, uh, I want to go back to that final play of the game uh, for, for a moment—the touchdown pass from from Carr to Zay Jones. I'd be remiss if I didn't uh, give head coach John Gruden some credit for having the guts to, to make that kind of call in that situation. I, um, you know, I'm never shy to to, to critique Car or, or excuse me Gruden mm-hmm. when I when I feel like he makes a decision that that wasn't in the best interest of the team. So I want to make sure I, I discuss this. But you know, they ran the field goal unit out there on second down, and, and they they got him out there a little bit late. The delay of game penalty came then they had the offense come back out onto the field there seemed to be some confusion there uh but but Gruden uh he, he stuck with his his gut he dialed up that that deep route to Zay Jones and, and he said after the game that he knew based on the, the film study that they had done uh prior to the game that he felt that the all-out blitz was coming uh from from the Ravens and, and I thought it was a great play call there by Gruden but what was your take on that
2: You know, know, sitting in the press box, you're looking around, and and nobody is, uh, you know, cheering or anything. You're trying to stay as objective as possible. But even after the game like that, and as it keeps going on, you you could see like even the most like uh, you know wisest, most veteran reporter, they were raising their hands. They were like, "What's going on?" (laughs) Like they couldn't they couldn't stay like quiet any longer. Like what the hell? I get, there, it looked like absolute chaos, and it looked like a team that was not going in the right direction. It really did. When they brought the field goal unit on, and they're like, "Bring them off, bring them off," and then of course you get the delay of game. It was uh, it was insane, and it made you feel like, you know, they are having some real problems with communication. And it almost seemed like last year when you're having trouble in short yarded situations, or possibly you know play calling and dynamic play calling in the red zone. It almost felt like, good Lord, they're going to lose this game. You just you started to feel that anxiety creep in, you know, and it was such a brilliant play call for them to go and execute that perfectly, knowing it was going to be, um, you know, zero cover. It was going to be that cover zero blitz that Martindale does great. The Ravens are perfect at it. They executed that almost on the dime, but the way Derek was able to just stay poised and loft that ball up to Zay Jones it was a crazy thing of beauty, and it looked like they had figured that out all the way down the, down the stretch. Like, they had practiced that play. They had assessed that, and that's really a great hallmark of John Gruden and the staff that I think because they were able to get all their work done in on OTAs and making sure that they had tons of confidence in what the defense was going to do, they were able to assess the opponents early on in their schedule in at the end of July as well as in camp in August. So it it showed you right there the footage. All the preparation is paying off, and for John Gruden to come up with that play and for them to execute it perfectly, I think good things are going to lie ahead, especially as they roll into Pittsburgh um, on a a short week. I think they've prepared for them quite nicely, and I think we're going to see the same kind of effort uh, coming out on the Raiders, but maybe uh, less of the communication error that that was going on there. I I still can't believe what I saw, and I don't think anybody uh, has really called – uh, any any play like that where you're going to go and, and throw into the end zone after faking a fake field goal. You know what I mean? Like it's, <laughs> it's just improbable how John Cruz has been able to do it. But yeah, let's face it, that was a uh, all-star play call and way to, what a great way to really assess what the defense was doing.
1: Yeah and I, I thought it was interesting how you were telling us how you know what what the sense was in in the press box and and I think uh <laughs> that was probably how most people felt in the stands as well as fans yeah. like myself who were watching at home were thinking w- what is going on here you know and and you know the conversation could be very different today had things not gone the way they did for the Raiders if they came out on the losing end of that game the conversation could be about uh, a blown opportunity uh, by by John Gruden or what was John Gruden thinking in that moment but but thankfully we don't have to have that conversation today but uh you know m- moving on here one of the storylines that I have uh, beat like a drum here on my show over the past few weeks has been the offensive line and, and you know we, we saw now uh, Denzel good the news came down Denzel good uh, he's going to be out for the season with that 20 20- Um, They were already without Richie Incognito, and I'm not really sure uh, at this point what what his status is uh, going to be going forward. Hopefully they can get him back here sometime in the near future. And then when you look at some of the uh, youngsters... Along the line, I think it was kind of a mixed bag from Alex Leatherwood, Andre James, John Simpson. I think at times they showed us some good things, some positive uh, moments, but but we also saw them get exposed at times. But overall, based on what you saw, what was your assessment of the offensive line play last night?
2: I didn't think it was going to be a perfect game for them because the Ravens, um, they bring so many five- man rushes and they're constantly changing up their blitz schemes they it is one of the most difficult defenses for any offensive line to prepare for so in my mind even if they had if the Raiders still retained Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson it, it wouldn't be uh too different from what we saw out there so maybe making that change to get younger and less expensive on the offensive line was a good deal because they they kept the clean pocket for Derek in that fourth quarter if so if you notice, like, there was adjustments being made, and Tom Cable did a fine job of making sure like, not, like Leatherwood wasn't getting exposed and Andre James was able to learn from his mistakes. I think that's a great thing because they were able to do that in game, and that shows you that not only the, the awareness of the guys up front, but the coaching staff has got a great bead on what they need to see from them. Let's face uh, the facts, though. This offensive line, though, is, is getting very thin. And we, you know, they were kind of hoping that what Richie would show up uh, and be available for the the Steeler game on the road. Well, now what? Because is John Simpson going to back up Richie and spell him from time to time? Richie going to go the whole game, or is John Simpson going to fill in for Denzel Good? Or are they going to continue to work with Jermaine Elmanor? So, I, I I wonder like what are they going to do now? Because there's money to be spent on getting guys that are out there free agent wise, but are they the right guys? Are they the right fit? For what Tom Cable and this offensive line is needed. I am concerned there, but right now they're getting tested in ways they did not expect on that O line.
1: Uh, as I was watching the game last night, I, I couldn't help but but. Uh, see some similarities uh, from from the 2016 team, and I know it was only I only have one mm-hmm. game as a sample size to go off from this this current team, but I'm talking about that 2016 team that went 12 and four. Uh, it, obviously, the last time the Raiders went to the playoffs, but that team was ranked number two in the NFL in turnover differential, and you know that team did not have a great defense. It, they gave up 24 points a game. But where they were really, really special was generating takeaways and turnovers. And, and that's what we saw last night with this defense. Uh, they were better. They were, they were improved, I think. They still gave up 27 points, which you know, you, you'd like to see your defense limit teams to a little less than that. But the key was they won the turnover battle. And, and, and then on top of that, the offense was able to take advantage of that and convert those turnovers into two touchdowns. And I think that was a huge factor in the outcome of the game last night.
2: Oh, I agree absolutely, Evan. And you know, I remember in 2016 how opportunistic that defense was, right, for the Raiders? But it wasn't like stellar. It wasn't like dy- you know dynamite, and, and they weren't going to go start shutting out guys. But Ken Norton uh, Jr. when he was the DC back then, he had just he had playmakers. Let's face it, he had guys that were very opportunistic, and they were getting around a the ball. It seems as though that. This time around, the team speed, like in 2016, is very, very strong. The speed on this secondary is something that we haven't seen in a while either. And if you remember like that preseason game against Seattle, remember how like, fast and quick the twos and threes were um, against the Seahawks? And I was thinking to myself, like, they sustained that pressure all game long. And if they were, like, committed to, you know, strip sex, uh, forcing fumbles, uh passes defended and twos and threes think about what the ones will be able to do i think this is a great start for exactly what they wanted and you know yeah okay yeah point total 27 that's nothing that's not too bad because you know the ravens are one of the highest scoring teams in the country last year and actually for two years running they've been that way so no harm done especially when the ravens are very very difficult to stop what i love to see though like you said 2016 that opportunistic defense was the key to a lot of the victories, and maybe that's what we might see this time around because Gus Bradley has guys completely focused, and even certain players that, brought, that they stayed in, you know, like the core, like John Abram, making all those tackles the way he did and, and stopping Mark Andrews uh, on a critical, critical down, that's the kind of stuff that really starts to say they're playing for each other, and maybe having that kind of leadership like Casey Hayward out there is going to be stronger than we realize.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Great job uh, uh, for us tonight, Clay, and and the Raiders. They do head to Pittsburgh this coming week to take on the Steelers, another AFC North team, and I'm sure you're going to be covering it all week long on Raider Nation Radio, on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker. Thanks again for spending some time with us, Clay, on Just Pod Baby, and keep up the great work that you do for Raider Nation Radio.
2: Oh, Evan, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, You do great work as well, and this is uh, the beginning of a great adventure. I can't wait to take this ride.
0: You're listening to Just Pod, baby, part of the Vegas Sports Today Podcast Network. Let's go! And now, back to your host, Evan Grote.
1: And welcome back Just Pod, baby, segment number two. I'm your host, Evan Grote, and big thanks to our guest there, Clay Baker. I'm a big fan of him. Uh, I try to listen to his morning show as much as I can. I think he does a great job for Raider Nation Radio, so it was fun to chat with him. And what I want to do now here in segment two, before we bring in our next guest to help us preview the Steelers, I want to go through the injury report, the Thursday injury report. I tell you, this is quite the report. If you have not seen this, go ahead and check out this list. It is about a mile long for the Raiders. I'm going to go through some of the more notable injuries here. um, Starting with uh, Richie Incognito. Did not practice Wednesday or Thursday as he continues to nurse that calf injury. I think that's going to be a really big one that you want to keep your eye on. Josh Jacobs with the toe and ankle did not participate on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, Nick Kwiatkowski with the concussion did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. He's still in the protocol, it looks like, so he may not be available to play. Um, Carl Nassib had himself a nice little game the other night, forced the... Game, I would say the the game changing turnover, this the sack fumble there. Uh, he was limited in practice. He's got a pectoral injury. He did not practice Wednesday, but he was limited on Thursday. Yannick Ngakoue, he's another really big one we're going to be keeping a, a close eye on with that hamstring injury. He was limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Denzel Perryman with a hip limited both Wednesday and Thursday. Darius Darius, uh, Phylon, uh, listed with a knee injury did not or excuse me was limited uh on Thursday also one thing I want to um point out here Cleveland Farrell he was he was a healthy scratch last week he's listed on the injury report again with the back injury uh you know he did not dress last week and we heard Gruden speak after the after or um, excuse me Monday in his or excuse me Tuesday when he met with the media. And he kind of alluded to the part of the reason why Farrell wasn't active is something to do with the back injury. I I assume he will be available this week. He did practice in full on Wednesday and Thursday. You know they have the injuries uh, to Gerald McCoy. Uh, it's possible that Yannick could be limited in the game. So I would expect Cleveland Farrell to be to be active on 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 Sunday. Now for the Steelers, their report looks looks much better. <laughs> Um they got a, a couple guys listed uh Roethlisberger was did not practice on on Wednesday but it was coach's decision. They had a couple coaches decisions. Juju Schuster Smith, coach's decision. They both practiced in full on, on Thursday. So there's there's no issues with those two. Um they have a linebacker, uh, Robert uh, Spillane who was listed uh, with a shin limited on Wednesday, full practice on Thursday. And then they had a defensive tackle, Carlos Davis, with a knee. He didn't participate on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. And then ter- uh, tight end Eric Ebron uh, was listed uh, with a hamstring injury, and he did not participate on Thursday. So uh, that is your your report. Um, I would you know obviously we we're going to monitor a couple key guys incognito. Uh, uh, Jacobs is the big one, and, and then Ngakaway would be probably your top three players that you know, you'll know you be keeping a close eye on here through the weekend. I do want to go back out to the guest line now and welcome in Ray Fittipaldo, who covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. He has a great job for the Gazette, and uh, he's going to join us here to, to preview the upcoming game between the Raiders and the Steelers. He was nice enough to give us a few minutes of his time. Ray, thanks for the time, and, and welcome to Just Pod, baby.
3: Absolutely. How are you tonight?
1: I'm, I'm great. Thanks for asking. And you know, Ray, I was checking out some of your work um, online and I, I came across one of your uh, more recent articles that, that came out this week where you, you wrote about Mike Tomlin's assessment uh, of his offensive line's play in Week 1 versus the Bills. Now, of course, the Steelers did win that game 23-16 over a very good Bills team. So let, let's start there. Going into the season, I know there was some, some talk about uh, the offensive line—would they be able to hold up for Big Ben in this offense? Why don't you talk to us a little bit about how you think the offensive line did in Week One?
3: Yeah, really. I mean, going into the season, it was really, you know, thought of as the weak weak link of their offense. Of course, you have veteran quarterback Ben Roethlisberger, who's been through the wars. Got a really talented set um, of receivers, led by Juju Smith-Schuster. Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool, and you drafted Najee Harris in the first round. But you look at the line, you know, you're starting two rookies. Neither are really high draft pick. Uh, high draft picks. Uh, rookie third round pick Kendrick Moore is the center. Uh, rookie fourth round pick Dan Moore is the left tackle, and uh, they just they're you know they're mixing and matching some some vets like Trey Turner, were acquired in the offseason. It's just there, there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, at the position and, you know, I, I really, I thought for the first game, um, after having a bad first half, I really thought they settled down and played okay. And I, I agree with Tomlin's assessment. They play hard, they get after it. There's just a lot to learn technique wise, cohesion wise that they're going to have to get through. And it's not going to get any easier this week. I mean, the Raiders have a really, really talented front led by Crosby, Um, they're really good up front, so if they have struggles against the Bills, they're probably going to have some struggles against the Raiders, too.
1: Now, I I saw, I didn't watch the whole game last week, the Steelers. I I did see parts of of the game last week. I know they only had 257 yards of total offense, 189 yards for Roethlisberger through the air, and I saw Najee Harris had 46 yards. They were 4-12 on third-down conversions, and, and I know it was week one, so kind of a small sample size here, but... Um, was that more so about the offense, maybe just getting a little bit of rust off, uh, you know, early in the season, or or do you think there are some real concerns that this offense could struggle a bit?
3: No, I, I do think there are some real concerns um, until they can find their way with that running game. Um, you know, we all know last year they started eleven and zero, but eventually teams were able to catch on and figure out what they were doing with their passing game, and they just can't do that again this year. They cannot rely on Ben Roethlisberger at age 39 to throw it 40, 45, 50 times a game uh, the way he was last year. So Najee Harris has to get going. That offensive line has to get going. And I think they will, but I I do think it's going to take time. And I, I will mention one other thing about that Buffalo game. If you noticed, Josh Allen struggled as well. Yes, the Steelers have an excellent defense. We all know that's what this team is built around. But the wind was a factor too. Um, it was it, it was a pretty windy day up off uh, you know Lake Erie in Buffalo, and I think if you look at some of those early possessions for the Steelers, you know, been through wide on a couple. Really didn't have a feel for the game yet. Once he settled down in the second half and kind of figured out what was going on, he played much better. And uh, it's supposed to be a beautiful day in Pittsburgh on Sunday, 81 degrees, partly cloudy. The wind's not going to be a factor. So we'll see if that Steelers offense
1: can be a little bit better on week two. Ray Philip-Paul, though, covers the Steelers for Pittsburgh Post Gazette is our guest this week on Just Pod Baby. You you mentioned the defense there and, and how good it is for the Steelers. I do have some things I want to ask you about in regards to that defense. You know, we 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 know it all starts with JJ Watt. Um he did, he got the mega contract uh just a few days ago and and he showed everyone why, you know, last week with those two sacks. But beyond beyond JJ Watt, who who else are some some names that Raider fans should be aware of that that can really get after the quarterback for the Steelers.
3: Well, Cam Hayward is a two time all pro defensive end for the Steelers, uh, is credited with twelve pressures um, in that Bill's game, just got got after Josh Allen um, almost every single snap. I mean, that Bill's offensive line was just overmatched from from the beginning of the game to the very, very end. So Hayward is going to be a problem for the Raiders, and I know they've they've got some issues with injuries up there. So that that's going to definitely be a matchup to watch. Now, if you want to go to the back end, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is in his third season with the Steelers. Now he made all pro his first two seasons. Um, he was really a deep safety for his first two seasons here. A real ball Hawk this year. They're using him at slot corner. They're using him at dime linebacker. He's starting to get a feel for this defense. So he's kind of that chess piece uh, in the middle of the Steelers defense. Now, And uh, I think that really makes them uh, all the more dangerous. You know, they were a top three defense last year across the board, total yards, passing yards, um, scoring. We'll see if they could do it again, but they they got a lot of pieces in place to keep that defense really, really strong. So watch for Fitzpatrick in the back end, Hayward up front, and of course TJ Watt coming off the edge. That's really the three main guys for that defense.
1: Yeah, T.J. Watt. I kept calling him J.J. Watt. I'm sorry about that. Uh, I get I get him all <laughs> next day. There's so many Watts in the NFL. But, you know, g- getting back to T.J. Watt there, you know, I, this is a Raiders podcast, so, you know, I, I don't watch a, a lot of Steelers football, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there don't spend a whole lot of time watching um, Steelers games as well. We obviously we're aware that that TJ Watt is one of the best defensive players in the league. But what is it? What if you had to pick? You know, one of his greatest traits would it be? Is he a real technical with his his hands? Is it the high motor? Is speed and power? Pinpoint his his greatest strength.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you go back to his draft year, he was number thirty overall back in twenty seventeen. So he wasn't one of these you know, combine warriors, you know, he, he was good enough at the combine and, you know, he's, I'm not going to sell him short on his athleticism or anything like that. He's really, really talented athlete, but you mentioned it. His motor never, ever, ever stops. He's very much like his brother JJ that way. And he's a technician. He knows how to use his hands. Uh, he's perfected his pass rush moves. Uh, he, he's just the guy who is prepared every single game, every single week of the he is. So he's got everything you need to be a terrific NFL football player, but he's put himself on this next level, you know, this all pro future Hall of Fame type guy because he's got such a great work ethic and because his motor never stops.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely going to be a problem for the Raiders. Uh, now, I was looking at some numbers uh, from last week's game uh, for the Steelers. Now, under defensive coordinator Kevin Butler, you know, they've always been among the, the league leaders in, in blitz percentage. Um, and I noticed that last week against Buffalo, only blitzed 1.8% uh, of the time. In fact, there was only one time where they dialed up the Blitz. Now, was that more game plan specific because of uh, they were facing a mobile quarterback like Josh Allen, or, or is there a bit of a philosophy philosophy change here going on in Pittsburgh that I should be aware of?
3: No, they, they will Blitz, but uh, you know, going back five years now, they really made a change in how they utilized their defensive ends. Uh, they used the first-round pick on Cam Hayward back in 2011. They used the second-round pick on Stefan Tuitt back in 2014. And they've really turned those guys loose. So they've counted, you know, for the past 8, 10, 12 years, they've really counted on four-man pressures getting home to generate their pass rush. But, you know, like I said, they're still going to be Blitzburg every once in a while. You know, they, they will bring inside linebackers. Uh, they will bring slot corners. Uh, they will even bring corners every once in a while. But this team has led the NFL in sacks in each of the last four seasons. And it's not really because of the blitz. It's because Cam Hayward up front, uh, T.J. Watt on the edge, Bud Dupree before he left in free agency, those guys are the main reason they, they've been so efficient and so good at rushing the passer. But uh, if you're John Gruden, you know you got to be prepared for it. And I think that's, why, that's what makes the Steelers such a tough defense to prepare for. You know, they can bring a variety of blitzes or they can get home with a four-man rush. It just makes it really, really difficult on play callers to match up with that.
1: Now another, another guy I'm curious about, how, how about Devin Bush? I know he was he was playing well last year uh, for the first five games before he, he went down with that, that injury that ended his season. Uh, how, how's he looked throughout training camp and, and into week one?
3: Yeah, I mean, he was really good last year for the first five games before he got hurt. I think he's slowly coming back. You know, they went out and acquired Joe Schobert midway through training camp because they qu- weren't quite sure how Bush was going to respond after having that knee surgery, but you know i I think they're cautiously optimistic uh, He had ten tackles in the first week uh he played pretty well, but we'll see how it goes you know for for a guy who was drafted number ten overall I'm not going to say they're they're disappointed in him, um, but they're just waiting to see how he comes back from that injury, and I really think going out and getting a vet like Schobert really backstop them in the middle they didn't want to be caught the way they were last year when Bush went out. They really didn't have a lot of talent or a lot of experience back there. And by getting Schober to kind of protect themselves, and they give themselves another really good um, inside linebacker in coverage and in the run game. So they should be pretty strong there if, if both of those guys can stay healthy.
1: Ray, you're doing a great job for us. I just got one last question for you. I'm interested to um, hear what you have to say about this. Now, the Raiders, in my opinion, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a Raiders fan, they have one of the greatest X-Factors in football. Uh, I think tight end Darren Waller is excellent. You know, He's got great size, 6'6", 250, he runs like a deer. Gruden lines him up all over the place. He he's truly is a, a matchup nightmare. Do, do you see that as a matchup that is going to be a problem for Pittsburgh, and, and how do you see them planning to slow him down?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I look at his game logs and I'm sure, you know, other defensive coordinators have, have tried, uh, but he just finds a way to be productive every single week. It's really, really impressive. So uh, I think you could expect uh, the Steelers to, to throw a lot of different things at him. Uh, you know, we mentioned Mika Fitzpatrick playing in the slot last week. Um, they, they just went out and acquired a big corner in Akella Witherspoon who might be in the mix this week. Um, and of course, they have their starting quarters, corners, Joe Hayden and, uh, 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 Justin, uh, James Pierre, uh, who could be in that mix as well. So they have some bigger corners they can match up with him. Uh, they got some talented safeties. Uh, so we'll see which way it goes. But, uh, Waller, he's so big. He's so fast. He's just a really, really tough matchup for any defense. And I think that includes, um, you know, a rough and tumble defense like the Steelers, too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Carr, Carr tends to to lock in on him. He had game-high or career-high 19 targets uh, last week against the Ravens, so definitely will be a, a big part of what the, Ra- the Raiders want to do. Uh, Ray, Ray Fiddle, Paul, though, everyone covers the Steelers for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Ray, thanks for the time. Uh, I hope you enjoy the game and, and keep up the good work. All right.
3: Anytime, Evan. Appreciate it.
1: All right, and I hope you I hope you enjoyed that spot there with uh, with Ray Ray Fittipaldo, uh, beat writer for the Steelers uh, for the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. Thought he had some good some good bit of information there. Got us a nice little preview uh, of what we can expect from the Steelers here on Sunday. And you know a couple of little quick thoughts about the about the game before I get out of here. Um, I do think it's going to be a challenge for the Raiders with, with with these injuries. You know, short week, uh, traveling cross country, Steelers home opener. You know, when you consider a lot of those things, I think, you know, the, the Raiders could be looking at a tough game. Um, as I mentioned in the, when I discussed the injury report, uh, Josh Jacobs' status along with Yannick Ngakwe's status are going to be key in the game. Um, you know, so so definitely going to be a really tough game for the Raiders. And And, you know, <clears throat> on a side note, The game being in Pittsburgh, you know I'm out here in western New York. I've been monitoring the ticket situation. I'm still trying. I'm thinking about still trying to get out to this game. You know, it's only a three-hour drive for me. Um, tickets are still a little bit more expensive than what I'm willing to pay right now, but I, I am monitoring the situation very, very closely, so it's going to be a game-time decision for me. Uh, I'm not sure if any of you out there listening will be at the game, but you know, get a hold of me on Twitter, eGroat5, and uh, send me a DM. Let me know if you're going to be out there, and maybe we can uh, we can hook up and, and, and have a beer or something before the game, if I do indeed Uh, make it out there but that is going to do it for this week's episode Uh, I want to thank everyone out there for subscribing to the show and for listening to the show and for all the support of course Um, I hope everyone has a great weekend enjoy the game hopefully we're back next week again discussing another Raiders win Uh, but in the meantime I am your host Evan Grote uh, and as always just win baby